As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us to this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. We are in the studio today with Vanessa Freitag, who is the president and CEO of 4C for Children and the board chair of the Human Services Chamber. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So, Vanessa, you and I have had the opportunity to get to know one another more and more the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. and I'm excited about that, that our paths have crossed and our intersection of my wife and I and our company of the focus of early childhood education and helping provide the best benefits and the best resources for organizations to serve their employees has really brought us into this relationship. My wife served on the board for 4C for Children in Northern Kentucky for three years, I believe. Mm -hmm. That's right. And it's been quite an honor to see the impact that you're having on the lives of children and families in our community. So thank you for all that you and your team do. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It really is. And I wanted to discuss today the topic of, and the good thing is to our listeners, we're going to discuss many topics today, but the cliff effect Mm -hmm. and talking about what is this thing called the cliff effect that we've heard about, that we've read about in an article, that we have heard people discussing, but why should I care as an employer and, you know, why should I care as a human being and why should I understand more about that and what is it? Could we talk a little bit about that today? Sure, sure, we can. So the cliff effect is the name of the journey, what happens on the journey. When you are someone who needs some help, you may be getting benefits to help you pay for groceries. You may be getting benefits to help you pay for your child care, which certainly intersects into our world. Mm-hmm. Oh, those kinds of benefits. And as you progress in your journey as an employee, there's a point at which the benefits drop off as you earn more. The problem is that that moment in time is rarely synced up with what your actual earnings capabilities are at that time. So in essence, you might get a 50 cent an hour raise, which is only you know less than $2,000 additionally each year, but your child care benefit just peels away. And that could be $5,000 a year. So, and it's not unique to Ohio or Kentucky. This does happen across the country. So this is something that it affects families. It affects the future of children because if a parent can't pay for good quality child care or any child care, they can't go to work. Their child can't get a good educational start. And it definitely affects employers. I can't count the number of employers when I was working on a report about this several years ago in a previous job when I ran the Women's Fund of the Greater Cincinnati Foundation, how many employers said they'd had employees, great employees, that turned down raises or just simply walked away from jobs. Mm. And this is why it happened. And it's a logical decision if you're a parent. Mm -hmm. If you're a parent and that 50 cents means your child can no longer have a safe, good educational place to go, or you can't go to work at all, then it's a pretty logical decision to step away. So we have to fix this. We believe it's crucially important that organizations, that HR leaders, that executives and business owners understand this, that they 
think about the implications and impact of where you may see a positive impact, but it may need to be a little more if you're going to get people over the cliff effect, right? And thinking Mm -hmm. about what our raise structures are and how that impacts a family Mm -hmm. and the importance of knowing your family and creating meaningful work and having great personal connection to those employees that means so much to your business, but you also mean so much to their family by being their employer. Absolutely. And I also think it's a place where businesses need to advocate on this issue. Where these benefits peel off has everything to do with what our decisions are in the legislature and from a policy perspective at the state level. So employers that are affected by this absolutely have an opportunity to have their voices heard. And, you know, the families certainly are there and have spoken, but I think the businesses need to weigh in heavily on this. And your organization does quite a bit of lobbying on this topic and mm-hmm. child care topic, correct? We do. We do. We definitely lobby on the importance of this. And in our world, the way that we see this happen, we perform three major functions in our community. The first is that we help child care providers actually improve the educational quality of their program. So there are standards set by the state, and you can be licensed, which is just safety and health. It really has nothing to do with the quality of the education. And then there's a separate set of standards that are all about quality. Those are voluntary standards, although we'll talk a little bit more later, I'm sure, about some of the issues coming up with that. And those are, it's a long journey, but that quality in that setting has everything to do with a child being kindergarten ready. The second thing we do is also related to the child care providers themselves, the programs. We administer the child nutrition program. So this is much like the free lunch program, as we call it, often in schools. The government realized long ago those children, when they get to, let's say, first grade, are the same children that are in child care when they're three or four. And, oh, my goodness, their brains are growing. We all know 90% of that brain growth happens between zero and five. you got to fuel it with healthy mm-hmm. food. The third place, which is where this third piece that we do, which intersects with this cliff effect question, is that we also work with parents to help them connect to child care that meets their needs. That may sound simple. You know, we think about the internet. Aren't there a bunch of lists out there? But if you're a low-income working family, if you don't have transportation or you have limited transportation, perhaps you're on a bus line. If your shift starts at 6 a.m. or if it ends at 8 p.m., you have a really tough equation. And oh, by the way, if you can't afford much when it comes to the cost of childcare, even with a voucher, it's a very, very difficult path to finding what's going to meet your needs. There just isn't enough out there. So that is that. And the very first thing I described, the helping with the quality of programs. We are the sole agency in this region that's contracted by the state of Ohio to do that work for our community. That's wonderful. Thank you for doing that work. Mm -hmm. I think the discussion around organizations looking at today how to be a talent magnet, Mm -hmm. how to provide the right resources for creating the best experience for their employees, how to help further their employees and the experience they have inside the organization and retention and really investing in those employees. What greater way than to ask the question around child care needs, whether Mm -hmm. it's grandparents or parents Mm -hmm. that are raising children or grandchildren and or family members that might be living with them. And this is so important, you know, those listening today on behalf of the clients that we serve and on behalf of our organization, 
I believe strongly that this is a great impact player of thinking about how my company can provide the childcare resources for our employees that their families need, right? And that might be creating a vicious cycle of turnover because our structure of our, the hourly structure that we have, the expectations that we have on different shifts and things of that nature may be playing against the majority of people. And how can we have a great impact of creating a childcare experience that might be keeping people home and off work because it's so expensive or I just don't even know where to turn and it's overwhelming and I would prefer to not go there. Right. Um, and I think overwhelming is probably the right word that most companies, that's the word that crosses their mind when we talk about these issues. I mean, they do know, ask any HR professional, and they absolutely know that this is what's affecting their call center employees. This is what's affecting their manufacturing employees. This is what's affecting restaurant workers. It is not an issue of whether or not somebody has a desire to work or is willing to work hard. If you don't have a place for your child to go when you are working, how do you go to work at all, mm -hmm. number one? And number two, we all absolutely should ensure that that place that child can be is a place that prepares them adequately mm -hmm. for kindergarten. You know, this is intimately connected. It's not just an education issue. It is absolutely an employment issue. Mm -hmm. That's great. So for those listening, please do look into and go to 4cforchildren.org. We'll certainly provide links in the show notes. And if you're not in the greater Cincinnati marketplace, there's other organizations in your community providing services such as 4C for Children. So this could be a great competitive advantage to you, and it could also help your employees and maybe even yourself change the trajectory and increase the opportunity and experiences with your company. Absolutely. Yeah. It is the issue of today and the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your focus on early childhood education. Again, we advocate strongly for organizations to really lean into school engagement, right? And almost every employer, well, every employer has a elementary, middle school, or high school fairly close to them, right. right? And the opportunity to lean into education is crucially important as we look at workforce pipeline and as we work at really building employment brand for those organizations who want to be viewed as community-minded and engaged. Share with us a little bit about the work and the impact. You mentioned zero to five, 90% of a child's brain growth happens between zero to five, which is where you're focused. Share with us a little bit about where you see the great advancements in early childhood and where we need to go as a community in early childhood education. Sure. So I think one of the interesting things, and I suspect you would echo this in your conversations with many employers, many people say, give me a person who has the right skills in terms of their ability to problem solve, their ability to work as a team, their ability to follow a leader, their ability to be a leader. Mm -hmm. And I can teach them what they need to know about X, Y, Z that we do. And I think we're all right about that. I say that also when we're going through our hiring process. What's interesting is those skills that I just mentioned are called executive function skills. They're all formed. The basis of it is all formed in zero to five. And the reality is, if you don't get a proper grounding in that, which you know, what does that look like? What does it mean when we say kindergarten ready? Here's one of the things that we've realized. It actually doesn't mean so much 
Do you know your ABCs? Do you know your colors? Do you know your shapes? It actually mostly means, do you know how to sit and share with others? Do you know how to follow directions? Do you know how to have a challenge? Maybe that challenge is setting up blocks. And can you set those blocks up? And maybe you're going to fail a couple of times, but you don't get so frustrated that you stop. You keep problem solving or you accept help from others. It is unbelievable, but true, (laughs) to say, hey, by age five, the deck is going to be stacked against you or for you your entire rest of your life. And it's all about how much your grounding in early childhood, zero to five, has really addressed those executive functions. Hmm. So, yeah, it is what we now know and understand. And it's, you know, the last couple decades of research into brain formation and really understanding what's helping children succeed or not succeed when they get to school. Mm -hmm. And then that ultimately means when they get to your door as a potential employee. Yeah. Vanessa, I serve on a local university's master advisory council, and they invited us to participate in that to ask the question, what do organizations really want? So this is an attempt of a very successful university to continue to make sure that they're understanding the needs of their customer, which aren't just students. It's the organizations that need talent, that need resources, that they can make sure they're providing the right programming for and they can market their university in a way to attract the right talent. And the reality is what you just shared is what we hear, that it's all around the you know, executive function skills, communication skills, the ability to problem solve, individuals who think creatively and who have learned about differences and how to evaluate differences in problem solving and and individuals who can communicate effectively and have a desire to learn and those who intellectually curious and what does that look like? So much of this happens as a child that we can help form the future behaviors by providing a healthy environment to do that in. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, not to get too deep into the biology of things, but the millions of synapses in our brain are almost entirely formed by the time, actually by the time we're about three. Mm -hmm. So, and what happens after that, as we progress in life through teenage years, is those synapses get pruned away. And what remains are the ones that, in essence, you use the most, and those get strengthened. So if you've never built from the beginning the synapses that lead to problem solving, that lead to playing well with others, Mm -hmm. then the likelihood that you're going to be able to build much of that through intervention, which is what happens. There's lots, millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars Mm -hmm. of intervention Mm -hmm. that happens in K-12 to that are trying to respond to the fact that this solid foundation was never built. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What can a business owner, a business leader do about this? How do Mm -hmm. you encourage organizations to get involved or a leader who says, of course, that's important, but we've never thought about why we should participate in this? What's the rally cry to our listeners to really lean into this discussion? Yeah. So we are on the brink of a pretty serious issue of crisis even, I would go that far to say, that's going to hit Ohio in particular, June 30, 2020. So The state passed a law, which is a very good law, a very well-intended law, which is that by June 30, 2020, 
any program, any child care program, licensed program, that serves families who have voucher assistance to pay for childcare. So again, these are our manufacturing workers, our call center workers, and so on. They must have attained at least the first level of quality, the first stars, it's called, of quality. If the child care center. For child, both centers and licensed family child care. Okay. So that means up to six children and it's licensed in your home. There's lots of that in our region. And if you don't attain that level, you will no longer be able to serve those families. You won't lose your license, but you cannot serve families on vouchers. As we sit here today, 85% of those licensed family child cares do not have that educational level yet, and 60% of our center-based programs don't. So as an employer, this is not, certainly it's about the future employees, but it's literally about your employees right this second, because this is their child care. And it's not that there are a whole bunch of other spots that are out there that those children can go into. There are no other spots for those children to go mm. when this deadline hits. So I think it's very important for our businesses to do a couple things. One is they need to help make this possible. States funding to work on this is, not surprisingly, we have budget crises all the time in government, is inadequate. And also to advocate for what additional funds could be invested through the state. So, you know, I think whenever you have a change in the governor's office, which will happen one way or the other mm -hmm. uh, in a few months, this is a moment to say, hey, Governor XYZ, whoever that ends up being, this must be at the front of your list because we've got less than two years. We've got yeah. less than 22 months to do this. And, and this could be an implication that someone listening, including myself. Yep may have no idea about. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I think that's one of the hard things about childcare is, you know, especially as employers, we have thought for a long time that's their problem, mm -hmm. i.e., that's the employee's problem. No, no, it is our problem. Mm -hmm. And we need to start looking at how we both help our employees. Perhaps you can provide some funding to your employees to make up for some gap in their ability to pay. Perhaps you can spend some time understanding who are the child care programs around you and have they gotten to that star level? And can you help fund training and coaching for those programs? You could certainly do that. Mm -hmm. You know, the list of who's around you is accessible. We could give it to you in a minute. It's part of our job, actually, mm -hmm. as the state designated what's called child care resource and referral entity. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a discussion that I had late last year with a leader who they took a different view of how they did community engagement. And that view was, and again, may not be revolutionary to some listening, but mm -hmm. to others, we took a pulse of our employees, right? Mm -hmm. and, right? And went outside of our executive ranks of what was important and our office and what was important and asked all of our employees, which may be 75% laborers, what's important to them and where do they spend their time and what does their life look like? And mm -hmm. what are they value? And what are their cultural differences? And what and this could be a really key moment for those listening to think about how many employees do we need for the future? And what are our needs from a talent basis? And how many need childcare? Mm -hmm. Right? Or how many and you may be shocked to learn that most of your mm -hmm. employees 
need childcare, right? Absolutely. And the importance of this topic is mm-hmm. so crucial, which is why we're having this on the Talent Magnet Institute right, on right. our podcast that we believe this is so crucially important mm-hmm. and is going to be one more thing that we need to get proactive on mm-hmm. versus July and August 2020. Go, I had no Too idea. Late. Right. Well, and it would be interesting if an employer has built enough trust with their employees to even ask a question like, do you receive any state assistance for your child care? And if so, is the place that you have your child, does it have a star rating or not? I think employers would be very disturbed by the results that come from that because it means every single answer to that question where they say, yes, I get assistance, and no, my program does not have a star rating. Every single one of those is at risk Mm -hmm. until the rating is there. And as I said, it's a very short period of time because it's Mm -hmm. quite a tough journey for childcare programs Mm -hmm. to get up to the educational rating levels. So one is employers to become more self-aware of the impact on Mm -hmm. their direct employees. Mm -hmm. Two is to get involved in helping the funding of helping elevate and certify and educate Mm -hmm. the centers that service their employees' families. Right, right, absolutely. And they can fund the support of that. So, for example, with 4C, there is a uh, child development associate certification. It's all about helping an individual understand early childhood education because in our state, you only need a GED or a high school degree to be a child care provider. And so there are many, many who are absolutely devoted to children, but They don't necessarily have the educational grounding. Those scholarships to help them pay for a child development associate certification are profoundly important to programs Mm. to have that happen. So that would be one very significant example of how an employer could choose to support that kind of work. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. So, Vanessa, let's have a little bit of a discussion. You had a very successful career in banking. Mm -hmm. You had a very successful career as the executive director of the Women's Fund of the Greater Cincinnati Foundation. Mm -hmm. And thank you to all of your leadership there and all of the continued success to those listening who are involved in the Greater Cincinnati Foundation and the Women's Fund, the mm-hmm. research coming out of the organization. It's exciting. What I'd Megan love to Cummins see is doing and what Ellen <laughs> Katz is doing is just incredible. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for that. The next chapter for you is where <laughs> you're at now at 4C for Children. Right. When you went through that leadership transition, what was the reflection, inflection point mm-hmm. that you felt like you were at right. in your career? And what led you down the path of where you're at today? Mm -hmm. So I had been at the Women's Fund and loved, loved my work there, and I'm still an enormous supporter of the work. But I'd been there for about, I think at that point, maybe seven years or so. But I had that moment, which I think happens with many of us, where I felt two things. I felt like I had done what I came to do in that time when I first arrived, and I was feeling that I needed more. But I couldn't really articulate at that moment, well, what does more mean? Because it wasn't that I was unhappy. So what I did, so I carry a work journal every day. All my meetings are, you know, I write my notes in that work journal. But I commandeered the last two pages of this work journal for about six months and used the pages for two different questions. The first was sort of when I had those moments where I felt that feeling you get that you feel joyful, about something you're doing and you feel just so satisfied. 
what were those moments? And what I realized, a few of those examples were that I realized how much I loved helping lead people. And in particular, it wasn't about being a leader with a title. It was about helping them develop further than where they thought they could go. Seeing some great gift in them and then encouraging them and helping them pursue that gift. And the Women's Fund, again, loved it, but we were a tiny little team, you know, with just a few people. And so I didn't have the chance to do much of that. And I loved it. The second thing I realized was, although I came to the Women's Fund, especially because it was looking big picture and strategy level, after seven years, I actually found that I wanted to be close to where the actual work happened close to the front line, close to where the actual difference happened each day. Mm -hmm. Kind of that starfish concept mm -hmm. that you walk down that beach and a thousand starfish have uh, gone up on the shore and you can't save them all, but the one that you throw back is one that is pretty happy that you did that. Mm -hmm. So I miss mm -hmm. that. I miss that much. And I didn't expect that. I mean, it took me quite a while to write these little notes down and look at that. And then the second thing I wrote down was, what are the things, as I had moments to reflect here and there, that I felt proudest of that I did? Cliff Effect Report, the original one that we produced, was one of those things. And I thought about why do I feel so excited about that? Well, it was because we took an issue that, frankly, at that time, and that was framed around women. That was framed around single moms in particular, which is not a topic that gets a lot of excitement in many rooms. In fact, it often gets the opposite. And I remember to this day when we delivered that report to the community, mm -hmm. and you could have heard a pin drop in that room because all of a sudden this lens that people had, which for many people the lens was just work harder and your life will be fine. Just work harder and you'll get out of poverty. Mm -hmm. If you would just work harder, you wouldn't have these problems. Well, they suddenly realized oh my gosh, the very act of working harder is the very act that pulls you back down. Mm. And that was powerful to me. So as we've just talked about early childhood, we've talked about it primarily from the context of the employer side. That is a different lens. The lens you most often hear, which is also a valid lens, is the education lens mm. and the brain development lens. But really helping businesses understand this is our issue right this second, not tomorrow, right now. I love that. So that's the journey I went on. I still had no idea where that would lead me. When uh, Sally Westheimer, who had been founder of 4C and was the CEO for 35 years, announced her retirement, which, you know, frankly, we thought she'd be there forever. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. And she and I had been on a dais together many times. That was a moment when I stepped back and thought, oh, I think that's it, especially because it also intersected with the women's fund work. The two biggest challenges for single moms are childcare and transportation. Mm. And so the pieces all just fit. Mm. But I definitely had to take some time. Rather than trying to force myself to the answer, it was making myself pause and recognize the things that really excited me and really filled me. That's great. In episode... 
15, we discussed with Chris Painter a decision matrix Mm. that he went through as the CEO to really evaluate what's my next step when I make a move Mm. and could be a major transition after 20-plus years in Mm -hmm. one company. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like very similarly you were doing this – self-inflection, reflection, putting that on paper and really think, did you have someone or a group of people advising you through that? Were there, did someone encourage you to do this that led to Hmm. following a process that was successful for someone else? So, you know, if advising includes some wine. um, It can, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Then yes, I have a group of about five incredibly close friends. And those are the kinds of friends who have also called me out when some things needed to Mm -hmm. be called out. I mean, they're wonderful, clear, caring friends. Mm. And I had several conversations along the way. And at first, I can tell you they were surprised because they knew how much the Women's Fund was a big part of me. And they were surprised that I was saying, I think there's something next Mm. that I need to go do. But once I got past that, they were all in on helping me think through it. And in some of the things that I'm articulating to you, In some cases, it was their help in sort of pulling that out of me as I was trying to find the words. I was trying to identify what is that thing I'm looking for? What is that quality in a particular type of work I'm looking for? So absolutely. I don't know how you do it without others because we cannot see ourselves clearly from our own seat. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think just physically, if you think about that, you do need others to help you see yourself as a whole. Yeah, the isolation that sometimes we as leaders can put ourselves in mm. is not how we find the next best, no, right? And having great not. relationships. We talk with the Talent Magnet Institute that it's really about helping leaders succeed in relationships, mm-hmm. work, community, and life. And that relationship and community and relationship and life component really allows work to be possible and to be at its best. Yeah, that's um, true. And that's so important for those to hear that you mm-hmm. had great people who cared mm-hmm. about you and who loved you and mm-hmm. who challenged you and pushed back right. on you as you were going through this right. and helping you gain clarity on that. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So, you know, to give you one quick example, one of the things they helped me realize was I did not want to go into an opportunity where it was broken and it needed to be fixed. And it's not because I couldn't do it. I've done those things. But it's because... It didn't fill me. And, you know, the conversation was just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. And that also led me, 4C is an incredibly strong organization that, you know, has great history, great breadth. So it was an opportunity to take something that was already very, very good and say, well, how do I preserve that? I have a responsibility for that legacy. Mm -hmm. And how do I help us figure out where we should be next? Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Vanessa, for joining us today and the impact that you, your team, all of the providers that you reach, as well as your board and that 4C for Children does for our community. We're so thankful. We will encourage, uh, we'll provide some links in the show Mm -hmm. notes for organizations to reach out. Mm -hmm. I know that myself and Vanessa would both be more than happy to help field questions. Yes, If you and your team don't know quite where to take this next, Mm -hmm. just reach out to one of us. And we look forward to our next conversation on the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. A toxic work culture can be costlier than you can imagine, but hard to identify. 
Go to talentmagnetinstitutepodcast.com slash toxic culture to learn seven signs that there's something you need to fix in your workplace. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.